Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. They have a fun new offer if you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today. And I have to say, I am using them. And I am already seeing more people call me every week and we haven't even gotten to, you know, the bulk of what they can do. So if you have any qualms, head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y and at least sign up for the audit. You'll learn a lot for sure. Now, this month, we're talking all about the business of physical therapy. So if you missed uh, the interview with Erica Mello, definitely check that out. Today, I'm happy to have on Dr. Michelle Colley. She is the CEO of Performance Physical Therapy, a privately held practice with clinics in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, celebrating 21 years since it was Founded, Performance employs over 230 people with ongoing growth plans, including two new clinics opening this month. Performance PT has celebrated many accolades, including being the recipient of the APTA PPS Jane L. Snyder Practice of the Year and seven times Rhode Island Best Practice to Work Award. Michelle currently serves as the president of the Rhode Island chapter of the APTA and chair of the PPS PR Marketing Committee. She was a member of the PPS COVID Advisory Board and is a two-time recipient of the PPS Board Service Award, and she is a board-certified clinical specialist. And she, along with Erica Shante Cofield, a.k.a. the Movement Maestro, and Dr. Josh Funk will all be in our Business of PT Roundtable happening next week. That is Tuesday, the 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So how can you sign up for that? Very, very easy. Head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Click on Roundtable Talks and I'll, and click on the Business of Physical Therapy, sign up. You will have an hour to an hour and a half to ask any of these experts any questions you want. So make sure you sign up for that. In the meantime, enjoy today's episode with Dr. Michelle Colley. Hey, Michelle, welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy to have you here for this month where we are talking all about the business of physical therapy. So welcome. Thank you, Karen. It's great to be here. And I mean, you and I have talked business in the past. Like I said in your intro, you have several uh, offices within your business, and you've really grown your business into a really great place to work. And I think that that's so important. It seems like your 
employees are happy, you're happy, and that is not an easy thing to do these days. So kudos to you for that. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come and be part of this discussion this month, because you are a physical therapist with multiple locations. You're not just a solopreneur, right? So how many people, before you go on, how many people do you employ just so that people can get an idea of, you know, the, the breadth and width of your practice? Um, we currently have approximately 230 employees. Yeah. And we've got openings in case anyone's looking for a job. But as I know, everyone else is looking for employees as well. This is a common problem throughout the nation at the moment. But yes, 230, but still growing. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, that's so I always think about that as they're like you're helping 230 people grow their wealth, improve their families, keep their lives going. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a lot of responsibility. It is. It's a great point. And I kind of guess I love that opportunity to do that because people often say to me, oh, do you miss treating patients? And I am like, well, I do. But now I feel like I get to somehow have a larger impact on a whole lot more people. And I, yes, I love to treat patients. I love the care that we provide as physical therapists, but I do love knowing that I'm helping to provide a place for an employment for lots of people to work. And I especially felt that through COVID in the way that we were actually able to keep all of our staff on. We did have to furlough for some of our administrative staff, but then ultimately we were able to bring everyone back. And, um, and that was something that helped me get through the pandemic, actually, knowing that I was able to have a positive impact um, on the fiscal sanity, of all, for lack of a better term, for many of the people in our community. Yeah, which is amazing. And now, you know, this month we're talking all about business. You have a growing, thriving business. So how much of, the biz- of this business knowledge did you get when you graduated as a physical therapist? How much did you learn in PT school? Well, probably about the same amount that every PT that's graduating these days. Um, you know, and to be fully transparent and clear, I took over performance. I actually purchased performance from the original founder. I was a clinic director there. It was a a smaller practice with 16 employees and I was very pregnant, eight months pregnant. So I thought I was invincible. And um, through a seller finance note and an SBA loan, I somehow ended up with this practice and a lot of debt. And the first day that I officially owned it, which was I think three weeks before I had my first son, I walked into the office manager and said to them, don't tell anyone this, but um, people keep talking about financial statements, but I don't really know what they're talking about. So I prided myself on being a good PT and really loved the um, value of physical therapy and what it provided to our community and patients. But when it came to actual business knowledge, especially those of to do with the financial management of an organization, and even thinking about things such as marketing um, and human resources, I would say I was completely ignorant and didn't have one scrap of knowledge. Right. And so this is obviously a huge challenge for our profession, right? So what can we do? Should, Should these topics be included in school? I mean, I, of course, am a proponent of it for a number of reasons. Um, And and I do, and I really respect those folks out in academia and I've often challenged them, you know, why don't you include some more business information 
in the curriculum. And the responses usually are revolve around time. We don't have enough time. And the other one is, is that, oh, our students don't want to learn that. They want to learn physical therapy things. However, I do think that it's our, truly our responsibility for the well-being of our profession that we do include some basic business information. And that's not just because some people will want to go and start a business or be part of a business. So, yeah, it, it will help those folks. But I do think for, let's say, the staff PT if a staff PT has a little bit more understanding of, let's say, what marketing is, then they suddenly are better at advocating and speaking to their patients about the value of what we do. If someone is able and understands some of the communication skills that align with marketing and even sales, then we will suddenly see word of mouth referrals go up. When someone understands financial management a little bit more, they have a better understanding of how to code, how to negotiate your salary, the meaning of different kinds of salaries and what they mean in the long term. So I think having some basic business information sets up every individual, no matter what setting they're working in, to be a better manager and, and better, better um, more knowledgeable for their career in the long term. We hear so often PTs talking about burnout. We hear them talking about lack of reimbursement and not getting paid enough and obviously student loans. But I think with empowering our graduates, our new PTs with some better understanding of business and how it works, it actually gives them some foundational knowledge so they actually can do something and make a difference rather than just this overall overwhelming complaints we hear oh we're not paid enough reimbursement keeps going down student loans are too high we have all these problems with our profession but we need to empower our next generation to have some business knowledge so they can ultimately help do something about this crisis that we're headed into yeah and and i think even being able to make a financial statement for yourself it doesn't have to be a business. You don't have to own a business, but you should know, well, how much money are you bringing in? What are your costs after that money comes in? What are your debts and your liabilities? And, and you can look at that and, and make a budget. It may help you be able to better budget yourself to be able to pay off those student loans or you know do the things that you want to do. I mean, I find I found that learning all of that has just been so eye-opening for me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And especially these days where you see different compensation packages coming out, different kinds of variable salaries. Um, oh, you know, if you work per diem versus full time, or maybe I do want to, you know, have a side hustle. But understanding the long term financial implications of those decisions can be really important. And again, empower you to make the decisions that are best for your career. So you can actually work in the setting and provide the kind of care that you truly want to and, and been able to balance out the money side of it and then the clinical side of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't so, agree yeah, more. I think. And I, you know, I do hope that uh, at the very least when it comes to teaching business courses, I mean, at least help therapists understand the financial aspects of a business, whether that be a hospital, a skilled nursing facility, an inpatient facility, an outpatient facility. I just think understanding that will give them a better idea, like you said, of salaries, negotiations, how much are you getting paid 
whether it be per code, per patient, like you said, before you started a little, a little tweak and what you code and how much you code can compound exponentially. Exactly. Exactly. Very small changes in your coding changes the business. But I also think speaking to that, having a knowledge of the kinds of employers that are out there, and that's the side of businesses as well, understanding the difference between for-profit and non-profit, understanding the difference about PE and corporate owned and public owned versus privately owned. There is not one that is better than the other at all. There are great PTs who are in corporate practices. There's also crappy PTs in corporate practices. Same thing for private practice. It's all over the place. However, if individual PTs have a basic understanding of the, those different businesses and how they're set up, it gives them a more well-rounded approach to being part of that team, no matter who they decide to work for, or unless they want to go out in business on their own. And, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, but do you have, can you think of off the top of your head, any resources that maybe practicing PTs or new graduates can utilize to help them understand, let's say, to be more financially fluent in the physical therapy world? So let's say you didn't get it in school, which odds are you probably didn't. Um, where Do you have any resources that people can learn more? Well, the one that's out there, which we don't actually do, I don't think, a good enough job of messaging and marketing. And here's, I can do that right now. But um, obviously the private practice section or, you know, and maybe it should be called the business section because it does have all the resources there for, for business. And again, that doesn't matter if you're a pediatric or orthopedic or in a hospital or in home care. The business of PT is everywhere. And I think the private practice section has tremendous amounts of resources for that. They have, for instance, a whole series called Finance 101, which is multiple videos just on finance, marketing 101. Um, so educational opportunities, webinars, all of those, there's a huge amount of resources through the private practice section, their annual conference, and many, many people who work in all kinds of different settings come together through that um, chapter of the APTA. So I would say for anyone with any business interest, it is a very non-threatening, welcoming chapter for that, people at all different times in their career and all different kinds of practices to come to. Yeah, excellent. All right, thank you for that. So now you've said it a couple of times, marketing and sales, and I know you're on the marketing committee. So we are gonna dive into that. So what about the belief that marketing and sales is bad? Like it's icky. It's like people should know what we do. Why do we have to go out and market ourselves and be like, quote unquote, use salesmen? Used car salesman, not used salesman. So incredible. I tried to flip it and say that to me, marketing and sales, we should call it advocacy because what it is, is actually advocating for who we are and what we do. I was speaking to a student the other day, actually, and I love speaking to students because it's really interesting to hear when and how they learn their sort of opinions and biases. And this student was telling me about their um, clinical affiliation and that he couldn't understand why all doctors weren't telling their patients about direct access and we have direct access but doctors don't tell their patients and I said to this I said to this student I said 
did you did you, did your mother know what direct access was is and he goes no i had to explain it and i said so let's all first of all stop using this word direct access because no one understands what it is we like to use it but first of all we have to be able to communicate and let people know and then i said do you think that the average doctor or healthcare professional knows that you could see us without a referral they don't know that because we never tell them how are they supposed to know that so I think what it is, is when we're marketing is really about advocating or educating. People don't know who we are and what we do. Major Here's my random guess is that 40% of PTs, and I just made that number up, but I ask a lot of people, 40% of PTs be got into the field of PT because they were injured as teenagers and they learned about the field. And I was one of them. And I, I, I would love to know what percentage of PTs out there had ACL tears because there is every second PT I meet is like, yeah, I tore my ACL when I was like 15. And I fell in love with my PTs. And I realized what a difference it made to my life. And then I decided I want to be a PT. Like, why do we have to be, you know, we experienced it. That's how we found out about it. But yet, we don't want to tell other people about it. We think it's icky for some reason. So I just always try and push people. People don't know what we do. We don't do a good job of explaining the value. People have um, biases and think, oh, you just help someone after they've had a stroke to walk, things like that. But I think it's time that we don't just say, yes, we take care of all different kinds of people, get them back to their life and doing what they want to love. We actually have to take it a step further and say, no, no, we're actually a major solution when it comes to the issues with MSK. MSK ailments are a huge problem in our society. And we have the ability to keep people moving so we can decrease those downstream costs, such as knee replacements, hip replacements, chronic illnesses, your diabetes, your obesity, your hypertension. So the value in what we can do and create is way, way more than even what we message on a day-to-day -day basis at this stage. And we have to do a better job of it. How do we do a better job? That's the question. The million dollar question. It's a great, how do we do a better job? You know, I've worked at PPS and um, we've tried to pull together um, PR committees and PR companies to help us with that. But I think at the end of the day, what we've found most useful is, um, is doing grassroots advocacy work, ensuring that every student comes out and understands how to describe and how to talk about physical therapy and the meaning of it. So yeah, simple. Yeah. And, and I, like, I always tell people, if you want people to know what you do, what we do as physical therapists, and you have to put yourself out there to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just talking to each other within the profession. We know what we do. You know, I always encourage people like, uh, you know, pitch yourself to your local newspaper, get a column, right? Like I said this to like in my PPS talk um, that was online mm -hmm. uh, last year, um, I went step by step and taught people how to do that. And then a couple of weeks later, I got an email from a woman who watched it and she said, I, I, I was able to get a column with my local newspaper. Awesome. Awesome. Exactly. I mean, put yourself out there and don't think I just have to be a PT in the clinics. Um, I like you do a podcast. Mine's very different. My podcasts I do with different healthcare providers in our community, including PTs. And we discuss things such as 
how to start running or picking your right running shoes or what do you do if you've got back pain or how did you manage through COVID? But putting out information so that people in the community see you see you as experts in movement and health and well-being and not just the um, clinician that your primary care doc sends to you once they don't know what to do with you because of your ongoing back pain. We're a whole lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think physical therapists in general, this is just my opinion, but they really need to get off the sidelines and start taking control because a lot of this, like, is it up to the APTA to do all of this? No. You know, as an individual physical therapist, you have to put yourself out there as well. You really do. And I I do get a little frustrated when I see people on social media bashing the APTA about all the things that APTA should be doing. Um, I think what we've seen in the year, we've seen changes in our profession, such as, hey, we're all now doctors of PT, thinking that this label would suddenly change how the public and how healthcare providers perceived us. A new title or new label or a fancy ad doesn't change who we are, it's how we behave. So we have to behave like professionals. We have to stop being on the sidelines and actually get in and play the game when it comes to healthcare, sit at the right board tables, be confident and comfortable calling up local docs, accountable care organizations, insurers, and letting them know the role and the value that we provide. Yeah, perfect. Couldn't have said it better. Excellent. Now. <laughs> You know, this whole month is all about small business or not small business, but about businesses, entrepreneurship. And, you know, in speaking before we went on the air, we were saying how important small businesses and entrepreneurship is to, uh, I think, bringing back this country after hopefully uh, as COVID starts to recede. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And on that note, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Michelle's answer. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth is a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. Yeah, I mean, you see it in every industry. That's entrepreneurship. These are where the new ideas, the crazy ideas, and small businesses have the opportunity, the luxury to be savvy and make quick changes in what they do. Um, COVID saw that. I mean, who were the first folks to suddenly provide telehealth services? It wasn't the big corporate or hospital-run facilities. It was the savvy small businesses who were able to flip their operations overnight and suddenly implement telehealth. And, of course, that led the way for everyone else being able to follow. Um, So I think COVID helped to prove that and show that. That is the way that the world works. Um, Entrepreneurship, small businesses seems to drive innovation. I think now in the world of physical therapy, we are seeing major challenges with reimbursement and payment. I personally am a big fan of of moving towards value-based payment. I really despise the whole, you know, the more you do, the more you get paid. 
I would much rather they are, we are paid to keep or get our patients healthy and have good outcomes and just find the journey to get there. But I think it's small businesses that have the opportunity to, to take on risk and try different ways, whether it's with employers or whether it's with healthcare insurance, healthcare insurance companies, like go to these different organizations and pitch them, pitch different ideas. Now, you're going to get turned down probably 90% of the time. That's okay. But then you're going to find little pilots and you're going to find opportunities. And even when I look around the country now, I hear from colleagues and peers who are like, oh, I'm in this kind of financial model where we're doing health screenings and we're just taking care of the lives. And someone else says, oh, we've got a um, subscription-based program to keep people moving. So there's different pilots going on and it's small business that has the ability to be innovative and do those that then we can ultimately model after. So I think any way we can small, um, support small businesses um, is going to be helpful for the future of their profession. Yeah, and I love that uh, you said they could be more innovative and nimble and, and that's true. That's true of, of most entrepreneurs because they don't have to go through a million different boards and get approval from XYZ. They could say, well, this is what I'm seeing in the market. This is what our clients want. So let's try it. Exactly. Exactly. And you can do it at a clinic level. You can do it at a company level. You can do it with, oh, let's try this program at this clinic and see if it works. And yeah, you can be very savvy and very timely and get these things done quickly. A small business might not have all the resources and may not have, whether that's financial or brains, like people power, but usually entrepreneurs are pretty savvy about finding solutions to some of those challenges and problems. And that's where the likes of PPS and APTA can be really helpful because it's pretty easy to find other people with that business or entrepreneurship um, desires that can come together and help each other. Yeah, I agree. And now, you know, as we're talking about business and you have, you know, a thriving business at this point, but what were the challenges of your business and of you as an entrepreneur? Now, I think you mentioned one of them earlier being having no idea what financial statements were. I'd say that's a challenge. Um, but for people listening for who might be maybe wanting to dip their feet into the entrepreneurial pond, so to speak. What are some challenges that came up for you and what did you do to overcome them? Um, as you said that I started writing out a list of challenges because um, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had many challenges. I heard an interesting quote. I read an interesting quote today, actually. Um, if I could have my time again, would I make all the mistakes, same mistakes? Yeah, I would. I would have just done them a lot sooner. So I could have got the mistakes out of the way earlier. But I think some of the challenges, a lot of the challenges were with delegation and letting things go. It's very hard to step away from patient care when that's something that you're very comfortable with and you think you're good at. Um, so managing time, and I hear that coming up a, a lot with business owners, how much, you know, should I treat patients or not? Not There's no right answer there. You know, it depends what makes you happy um, and depends what you enjoy doing. So delegation was a big part. I, someone else told me the other day, I like this quote as well. You know, you're delegating enough if you want to have a growing business that if three times a day you cringe, 
Now you cringe because you have given something, a project or a task or something to do at work to someone else so that they have the opportunity to grow and evolve. But you cringe because you look at them doing it and thinking, oh, I could do it a little bit faster. I could do it a little bit better or I might do it a different way. But that's okay. And you have to get to that stage with going like, you know, you could call it the 80-20 rule, but that rule of going like, it's, it's actually a gift to be able to empower and allow other people to grow and evolve. So learning how to manage that um, can be hard. The culture thing's interesting. When you've got a very small practice, the culture just happens automatically and you have this amazing culture. As a practice grows and evolves, you have to become much more disciplined and diligent about how to actually execute on maintaining and having a great culture. So it's something you have to be aware of. Putting the systems in place, um, as you grow and evolve, the more systems you have in the place, in place, the smoother things can run and it creates actually a structure, a structure that actually allows innovation and allows people to be creative, but they've got the walls and the guidelines of how to do that in a safe way. So I don't know, those are the th key things that came to mind for me. You know, it really comes back to managing your time, how you delegate, how you let go of things. You got to keep becoming more and more humble that every year I realize how much I don't know. And it just seems to be almost, it's like my list of things I don't know actually is increasing. So I'm not sure if I'm just getting older and losing my memory or if I'm just becoming more aware of how clueless I am. But I guess I'm comfortable owning that at this stage. So I think, and being comfortable with who you are and your own skin, you definitely have to work on yourself a lot, take care of yourself a lot. And, um, and be very mindful of what you need as a person if you want to be a leader in an organization. And what is your advice to maintain culture as your company grows? Because that's that, like you said, I'm really glad you brought that up because people join your company because of the culture. And if you grow and it, it, you let it go or something happens, then people are going to leave. So exactly. how, did, how did you do that? How did, what is your company culture and how did you maintain it? Um, I, I like the question, what is your company culture? Because, I mean, I think of our culture as a very much like work hard, play hard. Definitely a lot of fun dressing up, a lot of philanthropy, a lot of giving back to the community. Now, maybe what would happen 15 years ago, it would have been like, hey, let's all dress down this month for this great organization and get together and do a 5K for them. And then we'll go out to a bar afterwards. And that would set a scene for a great culture and getting to know people as individuals. Now, as a, with a larger organization, we have to be much more diligent about, or more mindful about hearing from all of our people, who should we dress down for, and choose carefully based on the feedback, and then communicate it appropriately, have some PR involved, the social media, making sure everything's much more streamlined so all of the good happens but it just takes a lot more work. It just doesn't happen quite so easily. So you just have to put the work into it. Um, determining what kind of feel you want at social events, what kind of behavior you expect. Again, you know, expecting your late leadership, how you act at a holiday party or at a social event is going to have a big impact on what your organization is like. And if you want to dress up like a pirate and dance around, which is what I do, then yeah, you're going to create a different kind of culture to someone who's going to come across in a different way. So you just got to be really mindful that as you grow, people are watching you and how you behave, and that's going to drive a lot of the culture. 
Yeah, I think that's, thanks for elaborating on that because I feel like that's a piece of the entrepreneurial pie that often doesn't get addressed. I agree. I think especially if you have a smaller company as it grows, you think you can, it's easy to forget about culture because it almost seems fun and it is fun. And it almost seems like, is it silly that we're talking about what you know events or what we're going to do to build culture, what team building things, but it's really, really important because your people are everything. And if we're, I always just say to my staff, sometimes people say to me, what do you actually do? And I'm like, really my job is to keep you all happy. That's really all it comes down to. Cause when you're happy, you'll give good care. If you're miserable, the care you give sucks. If you're happy, you give good care. And if you're happy, you'll stay. So my job is to keep everyone happy. Simple as that. You're the CHO, Chief yeah. Happiness Office Officer. Exactly. exactly. Pretty much yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, that's a great title, actually. <laughs> you should put that on your cards. Maybe I'll bring, be that, bring that up to PPS. Ask how, ask how, how many uh, businesses in PPS have a Chief Happiness Officer. Yeah. And see, see what we can see what shakes out on that one. But yeah, I, thanks for elaborating on that. I just really wanted the listeners to understand that your business is more than dollars and cents. Completely, completely. And if it was just business and dollars and cents, it would be kind of boring. I do think it's wonderful seeing the PTs who own practices. They do it with, no matter what the size you do it. We all love people and making people happy and better. And whether you're their employer or their physical therapist, it's not that much different. Right. Absolutely. And now before we wrap things up, what are the key takeaways you want the listeners to come away with, with our, from our discussion today? I would say that get comfortable with the word money. I know I'm going to go straight to business. It's not a bad word. It's not a bad word. And as PTs, we don't like talking about it. Oh, I don't want to talk about my salary or I don't want to do this or I think I should get paid more, but I don't really want to understand it. Like it's just, just think of money as just one of the things that helps us actually, actually be able to evolve as a profession and serve more people in our communities. I don't know if that came across very professionally or not, but I do think people should be comfortable with it. Be proud of what you do. And when someone at the local bar, your barbecue or when you're grilling with friends complains to you about your back, their back pain, help them and tell them what you do and, and make sure they get the care they need and don't sit back and, and let them have to try figure it out on their own. And, um, and just be curious about learning more about business. It's not scary and it will help. The more you understand you'll have more control over the decisions you make. And I actually think you become a better clinician because you're more mindful of the value of the services that you're providing. Excellent. And where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? They have questions. They want to learn more about your business. Um, pretty easy to find. Um, I live up in Little Road, Mighty Rhode Island, we like to call it. So email's the easiest way. You and through my through our practice performance ptri.com, you'll find me on Facebook and on Twitter as well. I'm not as savvy on social media as some of you, but I love getting um, emails from people and helping other PTs, students, practice owners, different kinds of business owners out there. Great, and we'll have the link to your website at 
our website at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com in the show notes for this show. So people can one click and get straight to your website to see what your business is all about. And if they have any questions, like Michelle said, highly encourage you reaching out to her and emailing her to ask questions. That's what we are here for. And Michelle, before uh, last question, is knowing where you are now in your life and career, what advice would you give yourself as a new grad? Well, that's a good question. What advice would I give myself as a new grad? Um, As a new grad, I would just, as a new grad, I would have said, believe in yourself earlier and um, address the fears that you have of your lack of knowledge and your inability to do things. So yeah, make, make your mistakes earlier, Michelle, is what I would have said. Don't wait around. Excellent advice. Well, thank you so much for coming on for our month of business. And of course, we'll see you in a couple of weeks at our business roundtable, which will be on the 27th of July, I think at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where it'll be you and Erica Mello and Josh Funk and Shante Cofield, uh, aka the Movement Maestro. People probably know her better with her Twitter, with her Instagram handle than her actual name. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that. I think we'll have a really robust conversation because we've got, just like PPS, we've got those four different personas totally nailed down. We've got your solopreneur. We've got your more traditional PT practice, which is Michelle's. We've got a newer grad with an, a growing practice in Josh, and we've got a, a non-traditional PT. So working as a physical therapist, but not with patients in Shantae. So, um, and that was total coincidence. I didn't even know that when I planned this out. Perfect. So well, I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. And I just think it's really cool when you get these different kinds of business owners who are PTs in all different kinds of businesses. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a nice, a nice meeting of the minds. So everybody definitely sign up for that. And the link for that is also in the show notes for our round table. Um, so Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and I hope to see you. hope to see you soon. I hope to see you too, Karen. Thank you so much. Of course. And everyone, thanks for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A big thank you to Michelle Colley. And don't forget, head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com to sign up for the roundtable talk happening on Tuesday the 27th at 8 p.m. with Dr. Shante Cofield, Dr. Michelle Colley, Dr. Josh Funk, and Erica Mello, all guests this week on the podcast. And of course, if you want to boost your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, then sign up for NetHealth Digital Marketing Solutions. Uh, They have the tools to help get your clinic found, chosen, and get those five-star reviews. Like I said, they have a new offer. If you complete a marketing audit, they'll buy lunch for your office. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.